From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield and Adam Hill, only on ESPN Las Vegas. Adam Hill is here. We got uh, plenty on the way. As, uh, this hour, we're going to talk to uh, our buddy Mark McMillan. He's going to catch up. Uh, well, he's bringing in. He's bringing in. There, I think there'll be some catching up. He's bringing in uh, Alex Molden, former uh, Saint and uh, Charger, and also uh, his, his son is a candidate. Who knows? Maybe the Rangers will take him. He's a candidate to go in the middle of the draft, a, a defensive back out of Washington. He's a Husky, so we'll get to that in like 15 Minutes, but uh, let's kick off the three o'clock hour and find form. It's time for the three presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Good mood, Adam, that you uh, actually your school made the Sweet 16 repping the Big Ten. Nine teams, nine teams, Michigan. That's it. They're the only one. Carrying that flag. It's rough yes. that... Uh, the weight is the weight is heavy, my friend. We're carrying the whole conference with us. <laughs> Do you, you don't give a rat's ass about the conference. You care about Michigan and only Michigan, and that's the way every college basketball and college sports fan should look at it. Like I can tell you right now, I wasn't watching the game yesterday as a fellow Big Tener who actually went to a Big Ten school. Wasn't a Big Ten school at the time, but anyway, I wasn't sitting there. Big Ten, Big Ten, SEC, SEC. Like I, I will never understand it. I don't care if Michigan does anything in basketball. The last thing I want Michigan to do is encroach on any of Rutgers recruits. It's probably not going to happen because they recruit in different stratospheres, but you get my point? Like Michigan State's not like big ten, big ten. I mean, in the end, you kind of should be. The school you should be because because uh, of money. Because uh, you get more money the, the deeper right. you and you, you always throw that back at me with the uh, the Mountain West Conference where UNLV fans deep down should be rooting for San Diego State to have a deep run. Yeah, but I mean, I get it. Like, as a as a fan of the team, like, when I'm watching an Ohio State game, I'm cheering against them. Right. I'm not cheering for them. But and, in the end, like, the school, the people that, you know, that deal with the money, the accountants, the athletic department, like, yeah, they yeah. all should be they all should be cheering for them to do well. But, but you, fan, Adam, you have to admit it's, it's much more applicable to – the Mountain West Conference than the Big Ten. Sure. The, the schools get $55 million a piece. Like, I, I'm not saying the NCAA money is chump change, but it sort of is. As, like, it is really needed by the Mountain West Conference. Right. It's a much bigger deal. It's a much bigger part of the budget for the Mountain West. So so that would make a whole lot of sense there. But, no, like I, like I, uh, I had to go get test- tested a little bit ago, and I know there's a, somebody that covers the UFC that is a, a massive Ohio State fan, and – you know, it's not like he was like, "Hey, thanks for thanks for carrying the the Big Ten for us." He was like, "I'm still I still hate Michigan. I'm still cheering against them." Yeah, I'm still cheering against Ohio State too, even though they're out of the tournament. I'm still rooting against them. So I mean, that's how it's kind of supposed to be for fans. All right, let's move to the NBA. Uh, I've seen um, a little increase on social media of NBA players pointing out that they're getting the vaccine. Are they showing off, or is there a bigger purpose to this? It seems like there's a bigger purpose. I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, just read into it too much and give them too much credit, but it seems like a pretty concerted effort that we're seeing not only players individually post, you know, vaccine videos and, hey, I got the vaccine and, you know, saying how it wasn't that bad and they were scared of the, you know, they're scared to do it, but it was it worked out very well and they were fine. Um, it seems like it's coordinated because several team social media accounts are also doing it and putting it out there and, you know, pointing out that they're, 
that their players are getting vaccinated. So I, I feel like this is an effort uh, to, you know, really spread the word to the public and especially those that are, you know, vaccine hesitant uh, that, you know, it, it's working and it's enabling you to get back closer to real life, which, God, that, by the way, that those arguments that people are having too are just infuriating of, oh, wait, I can't just go right back to normal when I get the vaccine. You kind of can, but they're, they're still working through some things. And by the way, do you know the chaos that would happen if tomorrow is like, all right, if you're vaccinated, you're good. You can, you can live a normal life. Then every, everybody would be like, I'm vaccinated. You're not. Can you prove it? No, but I'm vaccinated. I don't, I'm not going to wear a mask in your stupid restaurant. Like, okay. So that's why you can't just turn everybody loose just because they got the vaccine. And if you don't get that, you're just not paying attention to what's going on in the world. But yes, get the vaccine and you'll be one step closer to normal and you're one step closer to everybody getting it and being back to normal. And uh, we're definitely seeing these people uh, around the league trying to do their part. I do think it's it's interesting because it doesn't seem like the NBA actually secured a bunch of doses like on their own through their through private means, which uh-huh. I thought they might do. Um, it's it they're waiting till they're till they are approved. So like when they're eligible to get the vaccine, like I saw the Hawks went and did it. They went and got vaccinated almost as a group. But like three of the players weren't eligible yet. For whatever reason, they didn't fit the qualifications. So, like, they didn't get the vaccine. So, it's not like they secured this individually. Right. At least they're following the rules. Um, right. I, I like your impassioned speech a minute ago about the uh, wearing the mask and the vaccine, and we can't open things up immediately. And you use the phrase uh, something along the lines of, if you don't get this, I kind of feel like Marcus Mariota's agent at some point had to tell Marcus, like, you're not getting $12 million. You're not getting $10 million. You're not going to be a starting quarterback. You're not getting that money now. Take what you can get. This has worked out for the Raiders, I think, right? It's three and a half million plus incentives. They've got a backup quarterback in case something bad, you know, happened, really bad happens to Derek Carr. And in the case of Mariota, I think in the end, he's going to play two years for the Raiders. Even if there's no incentives reached this year, he still made like $11 million. Yeah, I think it's good for, probably good for both sides. It's good for the Raiders because they weren't going to be able to pay Marcus Mariota what his contract was. Uh, they weren't going to be able to do it. And they were kind of saddled with it, and they were just going to have to release him and make Peterman the backup. And I know that they believe in Derek Carr, and they're fine with Derek Carr as a starting quarterback, but they also believe that Marcus Mariota is very capable, and they want to have a capable backup just in case uh, as a you know as a backup plan, as a contingency plan. But they couldn't do it under the former contract, so it's good for them. And I imagine it's good for him because, as you said, I have to believe if the agent is good, which he is, that he's out there and – finding what the market is and okay if we do get released what are we going to sign for what you know what kind of contract are we going to get and they believe that this one which is three and a half million plus a ton of potential incentives if he does end up playing uh would be the right one for them and that they they would be comfortable with that and then go into free agency next year when things go up but there is one small like caveat to this like yes the contract makes him more palatable for you know to keep him on the Raiders as a potential backup it also makes them more tradable. So let's let's massive. not, yeah, yep. let's not think let's not think that this is a guarantee that he's the backup quarterback for this season. That's the plan right now for sure. I'm not saying there's a trade in the works. The plan is for Marcus Mariota to be the backup quarterback at this at this rate. But if they do have to trade him, or if teams you know do end up losing a quarterback or do need a potential starting quarterback, and they have to go you know trade for somebody. This moves Mariota to the top of the list because he's much, much more tradable now. 
More Raiders talk coming up in the 4 o'clock hour with Miles Simmons. We'll also get the latest on UNLV's coaching situation. A hire is in. Kevin Kruger was on this morning. If you didn't hear the interview on the press box, get up to lvsportsnetwork.com. We're going to check in with DRF, the AD, Desiree Reed-Francois, in the 4 o'clock hour. But uh, coming up now, let's talk a little draft. Let's talk a little defensive back, right? Uh, you know, we're always uh, concerned about the defensive backfield with the Raiders. Alex Molden played in the league. So did Mark McMillan. They're both going to join us here on uh, Cofield and Company. Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. The Mark McMillan Show on ESPN Las Vegas, brought to you by Weed Cellars. For the best in wine, bourbon, and beer, it's WeedCellars.com. Here we are, another edition of the Mark McMillan Show on Cofield Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Chance to uh, chat with Mark about the NFL and also one of his friends from the league, Alex Molden, played eight years in the National Football League, was a number 11 pick in the draft. He's here with us on a Tuesday. Take it away, Mark. Uh, so I'll just start off the top. Like, what was it like, obviously, uh, being one of the top defensive backs coming out of Oregon uh, and then getting drafted to the Saints, uh, knowing Moore was the coach? And then after all the tor- turmoil, uh, Coach Dicka comes in. And every time, you know, I do a – he's shaking his head already. Every time I do an interview where we talk about Coach Dicka, what was it like playing under Coach Dicka? Because I was only there for like two weeks. <laughs> he was I tell you what he was a guy um who you know he, he was a great coach he was a great coach um I know he's a great player but it was just some of his tactics and and how he um would communicate or wouldn't make a connection with his players it was kind of like and then even the coaches now a lot of his coaches they shouldn't have had the position that they had, but because they were they had a a relationship with Dicka, then they were given opportunities to coach. Um, but for him to do, uh, you know, basically what he did in terms of giving up the whole draft to get one player and Ricky Williams, and then the different um, like he got in multiple physical altercations <laughs> with players. <laughs> I, you know, I can know one, I, you know, one, but multiple, like damn near fist fights. Like, you know, that was had to be broken up. And I was like, man, there's got to be a, a common denominator. <laughs> it can't just be like all the players are, you know. But uh, yeah, man, he's, um, he's, uh, I was in his doghouse. I didn't know why I was in his doghouse. I asked why I was in his doghouse. And, when I still didn't get, uh, you know, uh, an answer, I was like, okay, well, I want to play. So, you know, can you trade me? <laughs> and, yeah. and then that just set off, the, you know, that just uh, – I didn't touch the field for the rest of that year. Alex, who was the biggest guy that Ditka tried to take on? Because Ditka was like 59 years old when he was coaching you guys. So I'm just curious, like, how big were his stones where he's like, I don't care if you're 6'5", 300, I'll, I'll throw on you. <laughs> uh, he tried to fight uh, – Andre Royal, who was our uh, inside Alabama. linebacker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no, outside linebacker. He tried to fight him. <laughs> and he was, and Dre Royal, Dre Royal was known to 
uh, fly off the hook. Even at Alabama, he was he was he was uh, with us in Alabama. He was a defensive back, and he didn't get along with our defensive back coach uh, Bill Oliver. And it was it was it was grimy. And you know, Coach Oliver kicked him out of our meeting room and sent him to uh, to the linebacker room. And you know, Coach Stallings had some words with him, but he was a firecracker, great player, uh, but just a firecracker. So I'm shocked to hear that. Dick had the stones to go at Andre Royal. I, I, I'm shocked. I'm shocked he wasn't on ESPN. <laughs> hey, that's one dude. In terms of Andre Royal, uh-uh. in a dark alley, I want him by me. <laughs> TSPN Las Vegas on a Tuesday. We're talking to Mark McMillan and former NFL player Alex Molden. Yeah, well, let's take it back to Oregon. Uh, with your historical career there, um, overcoming a devastating knee injury. Um, probably wondering, you know, if you can get back to form. Um, and then obviously, you know, taking leading your team to the Pac-12, uh, Pac-10 back then title and, and the Rose Bowl as well. And now seeing your son, Elijah, growing into pretty much kind of like the same player uh, as you. Um, I would say he's more, uh, I would say multiple because they, they use him in so many uh, aspects of the game. Uh, how does it feel, man, being a dad and seeing your son uh, growing up and probably hearing his name called on the first day of the NFL draft? Man, so, man, it's a great feeling. It's something that – and it's not – it wasn't just me, you know, who, who was able to pour into him. You know, Mark got a chance to coach him. You know, you got to see his development as a little 12-year-old. Yeah. And just, you know, he was a sponge. That was the biggest thing is, like, he always wanted to learn. He's always wanted to get better. And he wasn't just stuck on, you know, defensive mindset. Like, he he first, like, he was just a running back. Mm-hmm. And so, but I told him, I had a serious talk with him going to his freshman year in high school. He said, look, running backs are a dime a dozen. You want to be special? You're going to play defense. You're going to play defensive back. And I said, I got the book, you know, and I know other people's. If I'm missing chapters, I can reach out to Mark McMillan. I can reach out to Eric Alling, Sammy Knight, and we can get you all all the pages of the book. But uh, he was just a sponge, man, and to see him grow and flourish and always looking to up his game is something pretty special. You know, but going back to Oregon, man, it was – uh, you know, I had a knee injury and, you know, it's cliche, but it was it was a blessing in disguise because of my knee injury and how it happened. Like I learned a lot. I learned a lot about taking my eye off of the the uh, the prize. You know, what I'm saying like when you when you have success, sometimes you start to look ahead and you start to not give respect where respect is due. And it and in one play that happened. I had success in this, you know, independence game or independence bowl game. And uh so I got a pick six. I'm a freshman on TV. First so time. You was like, oh what? Oh, oh come on now. And and, and this was like in a in like the second second quarter. So now you know I'm bloodthirsty. I'm looking for big plays left and right. And on this one particular play, it was a run play. And my eyes went to the running back where my eyes, when I read run, it's supposed to go to the receiver and to defeat the block. But I wasn't worried about that receiver. I want to make a big play. And that receiver ended up cut blocking me. And it tore two uh, severe, uh, my ACL, PCL and ACL. And uh, but because of that, 
I got a chance to work with our strength and conditioning coach, Coach Radcliffe, who was a world-renowned uh, strength coach. And not just strength, but also speed. So because of that injury, I got a chance to work with him one-on-one for six months, one hour a day, five days a week. He taught me how to run. And so I went from a four, four, six type of you know speed. And then 16 months later, I'm four, three, two. So because of that, I know I wouldn't have been as fast or as quick or explosive. And I wouldn't have really studied the game the way that I did. So it was a blessing in disguise. Former Saint and Charger Alex Molden is with us along with Mark McMillan. Today's spot is brought to you by our friends at WeedSellers.com. It's Weed, C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com. You can get the best in bourbon, beer, and wine. Yeah, you had a chance to play with uh, Flutie uh, and Drew Brees. Oh, yeah. And, you know, after all that stuff came out, no one knows players better than players that's been in that locker room. And when he came out with the uh, statement that he came out with, how did you feel um, with all the backlash that he got? Did you feel that it was warranted knowing Drew Brees in the locker room? You know what? Knowing him, I mean, he was my he was right right next to me in terms of locker room. Like we were almost locker mates if we had to share. So I got a chance to know him, you know, back when he first got into the league. And I never, never heard, never felt anything racist about Drew Brees. You know, he's somebody who is who's very passionate and who's uh, who makes connections with different people, not just, you know, the guys on the offensive side, but just like he's um, he, he looks to build relationships. And I think, you know, you got to look at the culture and what's going on and then the timing and to really see like, you know, because, you know, we say things that we might want it to mean one thing, but because of the time or because of the place, it turns out to be something totally different. But I don't, you know, I, I think, you know, Drew, Drew Brees is a hell of a person, number one, and a hell of a player. Yeah, and, you know, you hear that uh, a lot more, uh, like when he came out and said that statement about kneeling, man, uh, Malcolm Jenkins, guys were just palling on him. And, you know, I was a little upset, too, because everything was like heightened. At that yeah. particular time. And, you know, when you look back over his career, uh, talking to players, whether, you know, white or African-American, um, you know, you're not going to hear anybody say anything bad about him. That's why I was shocked that he came out uh, with that statement. We've got two former NFL players with us today on ESPN Las Vegas and Cofield and Company. Both played in the defensive backfield. It's Mark McMillan and Alex Molden. Uh, what was it like on draft day when you got drafted? You know, you're going you're number 11 overall. You know, right now, if you'd have been 11 overall, man, they'd have been backing up the Brinks truck because these these dudes get paid right now. So, you know, what was it like to say, okay, I'm going to the Saints. Uh, You're going into a veteran locker room. Uh, You're familiar with Anthony Newman, who's an Oregon Duck as well. What was your mindset going in as a rookie, knowing like you are the guy? Well, number one, it was like uh, getting drafted. I didn't know – you know, the Saints had – I didn't take any trips to the Saints. I didn't talk to anybody at the draft or, excuse me, at the uh, at the combine. There was no interviews. <laughs> and when they called or – they didn't even call me before they picked me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like most people, you know, they get the, you know, the call yeah. and then, oh, he looked like he's going to, you know, so-and-so. I didn't get that. 
I'm watching ESPN and I'm just as surprised as everybody else that the Saints picked me. But then once, you know, I got picked and then I start to look at, okay, look at where uh, the players, Anthony Newman, Eric Allen, you, Mark McMillan, and I'm looking, I was like, okay, this is a perfect time for me to be a sponge because that type of thinking helped me when I was in college. When I came in in college, I wasn't thinking I was going to be day one. I'm going to I'm going to ball out. I'm going to start. I'm going to No, man. I was looking at the guys ahead of me. What were the things that gave them success? What you know caused them to to falter? How do I need to be a student of the game? I took those same principles and applied it into uh, my first couple of years in the NFL. Like, okay, these guys are professionals, and they've been doing it for a while, and not just doing it, but they've had success. Okay, what what do they do? How do I be like them? And so I was like, I mean, you, Mark knows I was right next to to <laughs> EA. But I think I was in between Eric and Anthony Newman, mm-hmm. and then and then right down the way was was Mark. And so I would be like, follow them wherever they went. They go to the, you know, where are they sitting? They sit in the front of the the meeting rooms. So I was right there, right in the front. You know, get on the bus or the airplane. You know, they taking notes. I was right there. Hey, hey what you writing down? Oh, okay. I, you know what I'm saying? And so I knew like that was the, that those principles kind of helped me have success. And so I just followed what they did. And I think that that speaks volumes uh, to the players back then uh, as to players now. You know, some of these guys get drafted so high and it's like, okay, I got all the money in the bank. I really don't have to work on my craft. I really don't have to study. And I see you go back and forth sometimes on social media when we see a defensive back, like, what is he, like, who taught him that? Like, what Like, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? It's like back then you had so many guys, you know, me learning from Eric and seeing how he did it the right way, playing against Daryl Green, Deion Sanders, all these guys. I, like, I was that sponge. Like, okay, these guys are doing it at a high level, consistent. There's very few guys that's doing it at a high level, consistent year after year now. And I think by what you're saying, uh, you know, speaks volumes. And and you can see it in your son's play. Uh, you know, I think uh, having you and surrounding him with, with good guys, um, like I said, I'm a big fan of Elijah, man. I'm, I always text you before the game. I text him before the game and, and just seeing his mannerisms and he is so smart, uh, and, and kudos to you and the wife, man, for raising a, a great young man. Thank you very much, Mark. You know, I'm going to tell you, man, it comes down to the passion. If you're passionate about something, it doesn't matter if it's a sport, if it's about a person, it's just about a job. When you have passion, you do research on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if you're passionate, like for my wife, I did research. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> What does she like? What she didn't like? How does she like to be treated? How does, you know, I I did my research. And when you are passionate about anything, you're going to learn a lot about what that thing is or who that person is. And I think for him at an early age, we saw the type of passion that he had. He Number one, he loves to compete. It doesn't matter what game. He loves to compete. So it starts with that competition. And then from there, it's like, okay, you know, baseball, he did that. Basketball, he loved all those type of things, but it just, 
He loved like the direction that he can be able to express himself. Like in it's like art. You get to express yourself. And for him, he got to express his passion for competing in football. And I think, you know, like I said, you start to you start to kind of ask questions and you start to look to people who've done it at a, at a at a high level and your knowledge, your IQ goes up. And then you get to, you know, put your athleticism and your love into something. All right, guys, sit tight. Alex Molden is with us, the uh, former New Orleans Saint and San Diego Charger and our football insider on Tuesdays. It's Mark McMillan. On the way back, we're going to get into uh, Alex's other endeavors, which include standing up in front of large groups and being a motivational speaker. Weed Sellers brings you the Mark McMillan Show on ESPN Las Vegas. For the best in wine, bourbon, and beer, visit WeedSellers.com. That's Weed, C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com. Today's conversation with Mark McMillan is presented by Weed Sellers. Hit WeedSellers.com for the best in wine, bourbon, and beer. Yep, our weekly spot with Mark McMillan is brought to you by Weed Sellers. Check it out, bourbon, wine, beer at WeedSellers.com. Let's continue this conversation as Alex Molden and Mark McMillan are on hold. Alex played in the NFL with Mark, and Alex is also... A motivational speaker. This is completely fascinating. Uh, you can find out about uh, Alex's exploits as a speaker up at alexmoldenspeaks.com. He's also got his podcast, the Shark Effect Podcast. So, so Alex, tell us why you thought you had a message that you needed to get through as a motivational speaker. Yeah, you know what? I call it it's more like inspiration. You know what I'm saying? Instead of motivation, because motivation, I think, is, is kind of short-lived. But when you can inspire somebody, when you can inspire somebody or a group, it lasts longer. I was inspired to play football, a VCR tape called Crunch Course back in the late 80s. <laughs> I watched this tape and I didn't play organized football till eighth grade, but I watched this tape and it gave me like this, this huge, um, I don't know, like a movie screen of the of the uh, the sounds and the people that played football, and it was something that I've never really I saw before or heard. And once I get to I got to hear like like the Dick Buckuses of the world, the Walter Paytons, the uh, Ronnie Lotts, and then the Lawrence Taylors, I was inspired to play this game at a, at a, at the highest level I could possibly do it. And so, you know, I'm look to get, I look to get inspired every day, any interaction, anything like that. I'm trying to, to get inspired and I'm trying to be inspiring because I know like one interact, one interaction, one story. And especially when a story, when you connect the dots on what gave people success or even failures, you can help influence them to be the best version of themselves. And I know how powerful that is. And so that's what kind of got me into into speaking. Well, I know I know you're always liking my food pictures and my posts and all that stuff. I, I think I'm that's inspiring. I think I'm inspiring you to cook, but I, I still I'm still waiting to see your finished product. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I see your stuff and I'm like, man, I got a long way to go. I see that. I'm trying to I, you know what? I think I'm gonna get the shrimping the shrimping grits. I think I can come close to that, but everything else, man, is like it's 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 futile. 
<laughs> well, Alex, we appreciate the conversation. I hope that from this convo, if you're uh, picking stories to tell certain audiences that maybe a 60-plus audience, you tell the Ditka story, you're like, you can do it. You can do it. Iron Mike used to fight 20-somethings. You can overcome adversity. I tell you, hey, yo, if your boss ain't trying to fight you, that ain't nothing. That, that's light work. If your boss ain't trying to fight you, you don't even talk to me. Until yeah. your boss try to pick a fight with you, <laughs> then you know you're on to something. That's right. That's right. Where, where can people, uh, you know, get in contact with you? I know you do you know, uh, speakings all over the place. Like I said, man, I'm always following your interviews. Your 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 show is uh, picking up. I really enjoy your segments, uh, the dynamics that you have uh, with different guests on the show. How can people get in contact with you or even uh, log on to your podcast? Absolutely, yeah. So so AlexMolden.com. I try to keep it simple. From there, uh, you can you can find my my Shark Effect podcast. Um, I have coaching, uh, speaking on there, and um, yeah, I mean, you just go to alexmolden.com and you can find everything you need. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate the time, and let's uh, let's catch up soon. Absolutely, man. This was fun. Anytime, anytime. I appreciate it, man. We, we got to give a live Zoom camera on you for draft day, man, because I know you're going to draw some tears. Oh, man. It, it, you know, what's funny is we was just talking about it, and I had Elijah, you know, on the, uh, on the phone, on speaker, and then he said, and then we started talking about that. I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to get choked up. And then he said, you know, you, you know, your wife, she's probably crying right now. And I looked over, she was already like, <laughs> just thinking about it. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right, Alex. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. God bless. I right, appreciate you being on, big dog. Oh, I love you, big fella. You too, man. All right. Peace out. There he is, Alex Molden. As uh, Mark played uh, with Alex in the National Football League, uh, his son. See, I didn't know that. I didn't know that you had worked with Elijah over the years. So he's a cornerback at Washington. He's expected to go probably in the middle of the draft, maybe on day two and like rounds three to five. Maybe he can bump up a little bit. But when you work with young guys, and for folks out there who don't know, Mark McMillan uh, is doing a bunch of things, you know, post NFL. But we see that you work with a lot of high school students. You're working camps all the time. When you saw him as a young guy. Like, what did you see? I just I wonder what you see when you're working with, you know, 11 and 12 year olds and kind of the the mindset of like who's got potential and who's there, you know, just to kind of learn some life lessons. Um, he, he was a competitor. Um, like Alex said, he, he competes at everything he does. And uh, we actually he did a camp in Oregon. We flew all the way to Oregon and he came out. Uh, I think he was probably like nine or 10 years old. And, you know, we knew he was his son and usually Usually uh, a kid that played, his dad played some kind of sport at a high level. Kid has something, some kind of substance that he's going to be okay. Not saying that he's going to make it to the National Football League at eight or nine years old, but you just saw something in this kid is like, man, this kid has good footwork. He has good technique at an early age. And we had a company uh, that we had a youth All-American game that we did, uh, and we selected him to play in the All-American game, and he – he just balled out, and I was like, man, this kid is going to be something special. You just saw it. And then ice high school, you know, he just he just blew it up. Uh, everybody thought he was going to go to Oregon. You know, he ended up going to UW. Yeah. Uh, so all the Oregon fans were pissed off about it. But just seeing his growth uh, over the years and uh, seeing him at the Las Vegas Bowl, what was that, two years ago when we were there, uh, he was actually the MVP of the, of the bowl game. And, you know, he's, his ceiling is so high. 
because he does so many things uh, in the secondary, kind of like a Tyrone Matthew is the way UW uses him in the nickel spot, safety. Uh, he does a lot of things on the special teams uh, area as well. So, man, just seeing a kid that you saw with snot hanging out of his nose, now all of a sudden this kid's <laughs> going to be hearing his name being called, you know, being drafted in the National Football League. As a coach, just as a father myself, man, that, that that's so rewarding, man. It's Elijah Molden, so look for his name uh, during the NFL draft. And we just had Alex Molden on, who played in the uh, National Football League for eight years. Uh, some good stories there about uh, Drew Brees and also Mike Ditka. Um, I got a couple NFL topics I got to hit with you, especially with free agency and some guys who lasted a long time in free agency and didn't wind up getting a big deal. But before we do all that, uh, you are a free agent in some ways with all the different <laughs> cooking things you're doing. Um First of all, today's spot is brought to you by Weed Cellar. So go up to the site, C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com. You can get wine and bourbon and beer. Did you use uh, Weed Cellars at all in any of your cooking this week? I, I did use Weed Cellars this week. Um, I made a pasta dish. I didn't post a pasta dish, but I made a shrimp scampi pasta dish uh, that I used my uh, white wine from Weed Cellars in. So just, uh, you know, it's a little shallots, a uh, little garlic, little green onions, uh, then, you know, glaze the pan with that white wine from weed cellars. Then you add your shrimp and then you add your little pasta. You can add any kind of pasta. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I know, I know you, you're probably a, a pasta connoisseur. I'm very picky. I'm very picky. I'm very picky. <laughs> but yeah, it, it came out really good, man. So I'm, I'm excited about uh, the finished product. Uh, I know I post and send you guys all kind of food and you're like, I think one time this week, you was like, holy moly. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much every time I look at it, I'm like, holy moly. Not exactly at the same level. The, the stuff looks uh, tremendous. You're down in Arizona right now. What are you doing? I'm here. Um, you know, I know Donovan McNabb has his uh, charity golf tournament uh, this weekend here. And also my uh, Philadelphia Eagles teammate, Byron Evans, is holding a free youth football camp and combine for youth kids. So, you know, it's just another thing that he's trying to give back to the community here in South Phoenix. Uh, you know, giving these kids an opportunity, there's going to be uh, Seth Joyner will be there. Donovan McNabb will be there. Uh, Derek Kennard will be there. Uh, there will be several other NFL uh, former players that will be there. And what better way, man, for these kids to have an opportunity to get coached up and have a combine and be able to give these kids a platform to showcase their talents. And it's free. You know, so you see all these scouting combines and, on, on you know, obviously I was a part of one that, you know, charged a, a fee. Uh, but for these young kids, there's no fee for these kids uh, to come out and showcase their talents. And who knows, there may be another Byron Evans out there or, or Mark McMillan or Elijah Moden, a kid that's a diamond in the rough that doesn't have all the rankings, doesn't have all the hype. But we can probably uh, figure out some way to uh, get this kid promoted and hopefully get a, a scholarship. Mark McMillan is up on ESPN Las Vegas right now. I think you have something coming up on what, April 1st in terms of uh, you're starting to put out cooking videos. So what do you got coming up? Oh. Oh, man, I got a, I got my first Instagram Live cooking show uh, coming up April 1st. It'll be on Instagram Live, so follow me at McMillan29, and it's going to feature uh, Fitvine Wine, a uh, company that's based it, – it's in California, but their home base is in, in Boston. So I'm excited about that, man. And we're going to do a giveaway uh, of olive oils. I'm coming out with my own olive oil as well, so I'll have my Ooh. own label on it. My signature. So things are just really? going crazy, man. So April 1st, it ain't April Fool's, baby. <laughs> April 1st, 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I'm going Instagram Live. I don't know if I'm going to cook steak, chicken, 
or what on the grill? So maybe, you know, some of the listeners out there today, tweet out what you think I should cook on April 1st on my Instagram live. Damn. I'd be uh, shaking my boots right now, trying to get the menu ready, and you're uh, you're gonna you're gonna wait a couple more days. Uh, at Grill and McMillan is where you can find all of the exploits on the grill, uh, on the stove, wherever Mark is cooking. Last couple of points here on the NFL. Were you surprised that Juju Smith-Schuster uh, had to settle for a one-year deal? That was pretty much all he was getting from other teams. He's going back to the Steelers, and then uh, after he announces a couple days later, Kenny Galladay gets a four-year deal with pretty big money. Like, what's the difference between the two guys? Um, I just think the, the annex and the stuff that Juju's been doing uh, the last two years, I will say, um, probably turned a lot of teams off. Um, you know, he's been injury prone, but Galladay, he was he missed half the season, more than half the season, and he gets paid. So um, it's just, uh, you know, the way that the game is played. And I'm sure Juju's probably like, man, I'm a free agent. I've been doing good over the years. Uh, but there's so many wide receivers that was out there on the, on the market um, I just didn't see him putting up the, the the big time numbers that he was putting up when he you know first or second year. Um, he's kind of tailed off a lot, you know, in, in my opinion. And teams are probably like, we're not going to pay you big time money, um, you know, for the production that you you've been putting up. I think maybe what two or three touchdowns, uh, you know, last year. You know, like I say, he's not putting up big time numbers. But they look at Galladay and they look at his ceiling. Um, yeah, I think his ceiling is a lot higher than Juju Smith. And you look at even Deshaun uh, Jackson gets a one-year, you know, gets a contract with the Rams. So uh, it, it's crazy with free agency, man. Last one, Richard Sherman has not signed yet. You played Ooh. corner. You, you played cornerback. Uh, Raiders need a free safety. They could use some cornerbacks too. Yeah. Could Richard Sherman how, – how hard is the move from the edge, the corner, to free safety? Could Sherman do that? Uh, I think he could do it. Um, like I said, I don't know his physical um, abilities. He's been hurt the last couple of years. Um, it seems like he's never been the same really after the Achilles injury. Um, but, you know, he's battled back. Uh, you know, they played in the Super Bowl, but you saw the uh, once the Chiefs figured it out, they went at him, and he was exposed big time on the corner. But going from corner to uh, free safety, it, it's I wouldn't say it was easy, you know, because there were certain situations where I had to play safety and certain uh, defenses. And when you play in corner and from free safety, you see the whole field as a free safety. And you're able to react because some of your corner skills kick in as a free safety. But you still have to come downhill and hit some people. And that's why I was like, when the defense called for me to play safety, I was like, Lord, I hope they don't run this ball because I am not trying to tackle no Ironhead Hayward (laughs) (laughs) or no Barry Sanders in in, in open space. But, uh, you know, if the Raiders do pick them up, they need some veteran leadership. Um, you know, just more than anything, they need veteran leadership. I see they picked up T.J. Yeldon, uh, which is going to help out with the uh, the running back situation. Um, you know, coming from Arizona, he's put up, you know, some pretty good numbers over the last couple of years. But they need leadership. But they need offense alignment, Steve. They're giving away all the offense alignment. Trying to cut down the money. So they got some picks back. They, uh, they kept Rodney Hudson from going to the Chiefs. But uh... – yeah, now they're going to have to nail it with some value picks the rest of the way in free agency and uh, probably a couple of draft picks to rebuild the offensive line. Yeah, and obviously, you know, cornerback was a position that they struggled at big time. Um, you know, you're going to have to find another young corner in a draft that you're going to have to try to teach how to play the game, and he's going to be learning on the fly. And you're in the division where they're throwing the ball a lot. You know, the Chargers are slinging it. The Chiefs are slinging it. Uh, you know, even the Broncos are, are throwing the ball around the yard. So when you're the Raiders, you have to think defense. You have to think defensive backs because 
the road through the Super Bowl or even through the playoffs goes to the Kansas City Chiefs, and Patrick Mahomes is throwing the ball 40 or 50 times a game. I don't care who you have, you know, running the ball. You know, it doesn't matter. If you can't put up points or even stop those guys on the outside, it doesn't matter. Well, maybe it'll be Elijah Molden. The Raiders have, I think it's five picks between uh, the third round and the fifth round. So maybe he falls to them and they can grab him. Um, that would be outstanding. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to get on the phone and call Gruden. I was like, hey, don't mess this one up, man. You, you need some guys that can cover. Don't worry about drafting all these fast receivers and, you know, with blown out tires. You know, these guys are fast, but, you know, they're not using them in the right way, in my, in my uh, opinion. So if they draft Elijah, you know, that would be great. You know, I'll be over there after he comes to practice. I'll be like, hey, come over here. I'm going to teach you some more techniques. I'm going to give him a double dose. <laughs> Mark, that was awesome. Thanks for grabbing uh, one of your friends and former NFL player, Alex Molden, and have a good time in Arizona. I appreciate it, man. Check it out, people. GrillerMcMillan.com, baby. We're going Instagram Live, April 1st. Another awesome conversation with Mark McMillan, our football insider and one of his friends who played in the NFL, Alex Molden. We'll turn the page to college basketball, really athletics in general, over at UNLV as Desiree Reed Francois will join us in about 20 minutes on Cofield and Company. Mark McMillan on ESPN Las Vegas is brought to you by Weed Cellars. Hit weedcellars.com for an outrageous selection of wine, bourbon, and beer. And make sure to ask for Weed Cellars at your liquor and grocery store.